From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, taxi, your parents' basement, loft, your RV, your camper, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and the cabin in the woods. Welcome to all of you listening to us via the uh, the podcasts at TalkZone.com. And of course, those of you who carry us with you wherever you go on our wonderful app, the Conspiracy Show app. Free download, incidentally. A terrific radio app. Really the best in the business. And of course, uh, all of you checking us out on the uh, on YouTube uh, from our YouTube channel. Now, incidentally, we're not doing our hangout on air this evening. Albert Vinzel, my intrepid story producer and uh, occasional remote viewer, is away tonight. But we will resume the HOAs uh, tomorrow night. However, uh, Ian Robertson, my fine rockabilly friend, is on the other side of the glass, taking care of business and uh, taking us right on through until morning. Rosemary Ellen Guiley will be with us at the bottom of the hour for our monthly Paranormal News Roundup have some interesting stories, including a, a young um, gentleman in Atlanta who suffered a concussion, uh, went into a coma. When he woke up, he spoke fluent Spanish. And then another remarkable story, a real head-scratcher, a, a medical student in Ohio uh, disappeared back on April Fool's Day 2006, walked into a bar and never came out and was never seen again. And uh, we'll also talk about doppelgangers. That's Rosemary Ellen Guiley coming up. But coming up first, it's always a delight to welcome this gentleman back to the program. He is a remote viewer. He is a a clairvoyant in the tradition of the great sleeping prophet, Edgar Cayce. He's known, in fact, as Canada's Edgar Cayce, the man with x-ray eyes. He's a medical intuitive and a healer. And his brand new book is Conversations with the Akashic Field. Douglas James Cottrell, how are you, my friend? It's a pleasure to be back with you. I'm fine uh, for a 67-year-old young guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're like a bottle of wine, my friend, just getting better with age. Okay. I won't talk about the wrinkles on the label then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We need to talk about your brand new book that is uh, just about uh, due to to come out, and that is Conversations with the Akashic Field. Now, your... um, your deep trance meditations, uh, like Edgar Casey, the sleeping prophet, mm-hmm. you're both tapping into the Akashic field. That's the, that's the principle behind it, correct? That's correct. Uh, this whole book um, is based on uh, the insights, the wisdoms from the Akashic field, uh, Akashic records, uh, your individual uh, book of life, uh, these are the sources of this information. Uh, there's a lady you might be familiar with, Lynn McTaggart, who has written a book yes. called The Field. Yes. And uh, she is now uh, touting that scientists are, are uh, developing strategies to prove that this field actually exists. Well, I've been around for, you know, since 1974, and uh, Peterson, Ross Peterson, my mentor before that, Edgar Casey before that, and a whole host of others. So... Uh, I'm glad to see that science is catching up with what the mystics and the mysterious uh, people, uh, call myself mysterious, who practice this sleeping meditation, or what I'm like uh, preferring to call it now is quantum meditation, and it is a source of truth. The idea that you can go to this storehouse of knowledge, this library, if you will, and you can view the records of every single person uh, that is alive today, 
and or who has been alive in previous times. Uh, because this, uh, this non-physical place exists, there's no time. And so you transcend time and space, and that's why clairvoyance can look backwards and forwards and see world events in which we've done in this book is that uh, the wisdom of, of these sessions has been um, basically taken from uh, people's individual sessions over many, many years. Uh, for instance, um, if you like, I'll, I'll, the first chapter in the book, by the way, you wrote the uh, 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 you wrote the um, forward to this, I believe. I did. Uh, I, yeah. I must have been. I must have uh, uh, communicated it to you while I was in a deep meditative trance. You were. <laughs> uh, you, wrote, you wrote. Actually, was the introduction. Pardon me. And uh, as always, you are an excellent writer. Thank you. Not not just because I'm saying that that we're friends and and we're we're uh, promoting my book tonight, but because you actually are a very good writer. Thank you, my friend. Here, here's chapter one: enthusiasm. I'll just read the first paragraph or two. The world itself is indeed a place in which many minds believe their view, their opinion, is the correct one. The only opinion that is correct is that there are many op opinions and many minds, and that each must follow his or her own path to arrive at his or her own ultimate destination. There is a time of extremes, and it is a time of change. Being flexible and adapting to change makes one successful. Having little in regard to bring, uh, being tethered to property makes one peaceful. Being able to be at ease or at peace at all, any moment of the day, makes one in harmony with the planet and the universe's, uh, universe itself. That's uh, from the first one, and then here's a, a little a favorite one. It appears that there are certain stages or steps in front of you that would be taken, and you seem to have stepping stones in front. It would appear that the last uh, two years have been difficult, but the next three should be exciting. Remember, these are from people's individual sessions. Continue to take the steps. Be assured the development of the inner self will be continuing, uh, and all the answers to all the questions that have uh, that have left are a certain degree of uncertainty or questions in the mind would appear to be answered, you see, in time, without much difficulty. As we see it, you need a little patience here. But take the steps, and uh, it says, "Be assured, no need to hesitate, so to speak." So these are transcripts of actual readings that you have right. given people while you're in this quantum meditative state, and you are you are accessing their file, if you will, in the Akashic record. This this that's vast exactly, storehouse. Go ahead. You're exactly right, Richard. Okay, so this uh, the Akashic um, record. Uh, you described it as a library. Uh, that's in some other dimension. It's out there in the ether. So every, every thought, every word that has ever been uttered, every, uh, sentence that has ever been, um, uh, composed is all stored in this vast database, um, somewhere in the, in, 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 in the clouds. It's almost that's like the, uh, you know, people that, that have iPhones and so forth, you can save data to the cloud. That's a, that's a very good example uh, and analogy. You're exactly right. The ability uh, to go into a state of meditation and transcend your personal uh, limitations and contact the uh, Akashic Cloud, I mean, you've, you've just coined that word tonight, uh, is available to each and every one of us. The limitations on it are that we're not all ready to see 
uh, all the lifetimes and the thoughts and the deeds that we've lived, the regrets. Uh, you know, sometimes we've been very, very good, and sometimes we've not been so very, very good. But as we go through this uh, this experience, gathering wisdom or knowledge, we're adding to what some people have called, and I believe it's uh, the Akashic field or this storehouse of knowledge, could be considered the mind of God. Uh, God meaning it's remembrances of God. Everything that we do is put into this spiritual dimension. And so I'm, I'm not trying to confuse God, the Almighty Being, but in the mind of God, which is something that we all are as spiritual beings uh, part of. Uh, you know, we're all, we are made in the likeness of God, and this is the attachments that we have. So this field, this information, this knowledge is accessible, uh, and anyone can do so. But the limitations is that you only get enough to help you with the circumstances you find yourself in. And as you develop this awareness, you become self-aware. And as you continue in your soul journey, your experiences, and you're seeking to be a spiritual person or being, you naturally go into developing the intuitive skills and abilities that are recounted, by the way, in the, in the uh, first uh, uh, book of Corinthians, chapter 12, called Spiritual Gifts. And part of that is this ability to become uh, self-realized, you know, a spiritual being and, and, and a physical body. And now you're beginning to see yourself as more than just, you know, I'm here for, you know, uh, four score and ten and I'm gone. So what, uh, why should I be uh, a compassionate, good person? Why don't I just grab everything I can while I'm here? But, you know, I, I live for today and die for tomorrow. But the point is that as you begin to understand that there is an attorney and you have an attorney in view, you begin to become fully realized as a spiritual being. And that's how people ascend or become enlightened as you go through this time of seriously looking at yourself in this lifetime, today, right now, as you attempt to be a good person, be compassionate, put limits on desires, and avoid corruption, you will be self-aware, and then you'll move into being fully realized, ultimately. Dr. Douglas James Cottrell is uh, my guest, and uh, the new book, uh, which will be out um, just in a couple of weeks, is Conversations with the Akashic Field. Uh, we, we've heard of, uh, you know, the great libraries, the great library of Alexandria that was, uh, that was burned, uh, to the ground. And, um, we assumed that all of this ancient knowledge, uh, was lost forever. Uh, consider, for example, that uh, the, the, um, the ancient Greeks, uh, much of their, their, their knowledge of, of mathematics, advanced mathematics was, was stored at the, uh, the library in Alexandria, Egypt. And when that burned to the ground and those records were destroyed, we thought forever, uh, society wasn't able to catch up to the ancient Greeks' understanding of mathematics until sometime, I believe, in the early 19th century. Um, but you're saying that all of that knowledge of all the great libraries uh, that were, were written down on you know, papyrus and so forth and supposedly lost to the fire, that's all still out there. It's all accessible. Not only just for that library, but the Ottoman Empire, who brought us the wonderful uh, mathematical numeral zero before they came up with nobody had a zero, and they, their contribution to mathematics was zero. All that information is there. The information from all time is available, and that, it's provable. Uh, the scientists, again, with uh, um, Lynn McTaggart's book, is showing that there is a consciousness 
that exists. And what we are right now, we're on the verge, and, and I, I see myself as a forerunner as well, uh, on the greatest frontier, and that's the, uh, the human conscious frontier. And this is part of it. All that knowledge that's in that library is there. Now, my, my motto, faith is built upon belief, beliefs built upon evidence. So I've got to have the proof. Well, people have had dreams about inventions, and then they've come true. People have been able to look back in time, in, in historical times, and get information that wasn't uh, written down or available. Things I've said on your show about Jesus being married, uh, and there's a papyrus that came out, and it refers to the possibility that he was married and had uh, siblings. Uh, by the way, we're writing another book that should be out before Christmas called... Uh, uh, basically, Avatar, Jesus the Christ, and that one's uh, that one's in the in the works. Douglas is is uh, working on it. Okay, listen, uh, I, I've got to take but, a time out, uh, uh, Douglas. Okay. we'll come back and continue to delve into conversations with the Akashic Field, Doctor Douglas James Cottrell, my guest on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations, what goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with remote viewer, medical intuitive, healer, uh, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, and his new book, His Conversations with the Akashic Field, its uh, release date is uh, imminent. Uh, you mentioned in the last break accessing the Akashic Field, this vast storehouse, the accumulation of all of man's knowledge, past and present. Uh, what about the future? Uh, everything, every life that will ever, every soul that will um, ever live, every every word that will be uttered uh, in the future, is that also stored in the Akashic Field? Well, it is. Those are called timelines. Uh, the great uh, Huna uh, religion of, in Hawaii had this idea that things materialize in this ever-present moment. Uh, the name I've coined for that uh, void of, of future. And timelines can be established. And while those things are, are coming to manifest, they're changeable. But once they're solidified, it's prophecy, and those things can never change. So looking forward... Based on, remember, this is a pl- this is a place of knowledge and wisdom, and uh, people can look at this wisdom and gain uh, insights into how to make their life better, how to be more successful. What am I doing wrong that I can correct now to be more successful in the future? So, looking into the future, uh, prophets like me have been able to see at uh, at great lengths in the future. Uh, Casey and Ross Peterson had predictions that were based on this knowledge in the Akashic, which gives it the understanding that there's a destiny and a purpose to the universe. Now, sometimes it doesn't work out just in the same time frame as we expect, and therefore it comes around again. But all those things that are supposed to be in the world, for whatever reason that the cosmos has decided, the universal mind, God Almighty has decided they should come into the world, they do. After all, this is a learning uh, place. The point being is that you can look into the future and you can perceive glimpses of the future, snapshots, if you will. And if you, uh, again, practice meditation, and if you read books like uh, this one, the, um, the Akashic Field, and you progress in your own way, you can develop this ability to gain information that will help you and help you make good decisions to go forward in time. 
my website is douglasjamescoffrell.com and uh, uh, my books are on sale on Amazon, Indigo, and, and also on our website. And by the way, special uh, for your show, Richard, I'm offering a 40% discount on the Akashic uh, field, which turns out to be, if I can be commercial here, 14.95 Canadian. It's a $25 book and $11 and change, or $11 even in the U.S. Darn Americans get a fantastic break <laughs> buying Canadian all the time. Now, how do they? So, take, how do my listeners take advantage of that? How do they do that? They just go on. We, we've uh, we've got the discount going. Uh, we've extended it for another week uh, or a few more days. Uh, we should have had the book in hand now, but uh, we've added more color and, and uh, we've had to go through a, a bit of a, a production glitch. And so we've got about ten more days before we get the book in hand. So we're going to extend that for somewhat. But uh, again, the point being is that if you want to learn about uh, what the Akashic field is all about. This is one of the best books I've ever written. My son, uh, Douglas uh, Matthew Cottrell, is, uh, has got an MA in, in, uh, here in Western and he, in English literature. He has expertly gathered this information along with our friend Tom from Ramstein Reglan and a few other people, uh, our friend Tim Charbonneau in Montreal. This has been a collaborative effect of very talented people. So this is a really good book. I know it's my book, and I don't want to sound like I'm blowing my own horn, but it is a very good book. As most of our books have been fairly well received, this one should be the best. And I alluded to the next one about Jesus coming up, but that we're not there yet. This one is, is the best book uh, that takes from several years little bits of information like, don't worry, that this chaotic time is a spiraling downward. This is a time of extremes, a testing or teaching time. Humankind itself will come to the greatest resolve and the greater understanding. It is necessary these chaotic times came into the world for there can be a blessing in the same. That's chapter 3, first paragraph. That kind of information or wisdom, it's, it's uh, given to the uh, ordinary person level of reading. This is not a heavy, heavy book to read. It's right. an enlightening book. So I, I recommend people, the website's douglasjamescottrell.com, and we've got big discounts on for the next few days. When you, when you access the Akashic field or the Akashic library, walk me through that, because you're saying anyone can learn to do this, and obviously you've perfected this over a lifetime, 40 years plus. Uh, That's but, a good question, Richard. Yeah. How do you do it? Well, the first is uh, to enter into a state of meditation, which is a profound, deep state of meditation. In the East, I found out just last year that it's called Shamadi mind, which is a combination of your conscious, rational mind, you know, logic and reasoning and, and all those faculties, combined with and working through the subconscious mind to the super subconscious mind, or what I've called the uh, contemplative mind, which is all the spiritual gifts and abilities. As you relax down, you actually go up. And I've had similar experiences to Edgar Casey. Uh, you leave, first of all, your body becomes very heavy. It feels then as if it's ballooning out. Then I have a feeling as if I remember um, when I first started, I was going up in an elevator shaft and I looked down and there was myself laying on the couch, the person having the session or the reading and my conductor, Hans Peters, God bless him. Uh, there and it was like I was looking down and I was going up and I remember another occasion I was going into dimensions where there were people dressed in in the uh, sort of uh, uh, European turbans and robes and philosophers kind of things gathered in groups of three as far as I could see 
So I was able to to see these various dimensions, but I had to also go through this first level or first dimension, uh, for lack of a better description, the astral plane, where people are earthbound and there's grotesque faces and they're reaching out trying to grab at me and hold me back. And so breaking through those those experiences, those levels, those dimensions, I always had Ross Peterson as my mentor. So when something happened, I'd come up and say, Ross, 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 this happened to me last night. I was doing a meditation. He was, oh, well, you're just causing a disturbance on the other side. It'll be okay. It'll never happen again. And it never did. So if you have a little instruction, and this is why I'm teaching, I am teaching people, I've got a class coming up in January for people that want to do this, the same method, the same methodology or phenomena as Edgar Casey, Ross Peterson, Paul Solomon, and myself. This can be taught, but you don't need, you know, if you, if you persevere, you don't need to take formal instruction. You can do it in dreams and visions, and sometimes you're out there, uh, you know, some people call it astral, astral traveling, remote viewing, mind projecting, being clairvoyant. You're touching on dimensions while you're in a deep state of sleep. All it takes is a curiosity. Can I do this? Can I find this place? Reading a book like mine, The Akashic Field, and reading uh, uh, Ms. Taggart's, uh, 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 McTaggart's book will help you convince your mind that this is possible. And once you get past the first block, which is doubt, once you get past that and you begin to see, like, how did I do that? Because you've had a glimpse, you've had some evidence, then you're on your way. Do you think that the, um, I, I keep referring it to, to it as a library because it is a repository of, of knowledge and so forth, but is it, is it just an, is it an allegory or a, a metaphor or is yeah. it, do you think, an, a physical place but on another plane? I tell you truthfully, I cannot say that for sure. Uh, Edgar Casey referred to it as a library where the book of lives was, uh, book of life was stored for each individual. I refer to it in the same way because it gives us our logical, rational mind something to, uh, to sort of grab onto and say, oh, I understand. But I think it's like this, it comes from the same place where thoughts come from. Mm-hmm. And it's the same place where thoughts go. And so, uh, you know, we've all had these experiences where all of a sudden, uh, we've been wondering about something, and all of a sudden, there it is in our mind, the solution, the answer to the question, and we go, my God, it was so simple. Why didn't I think of that before? Right, and sometimes you have, you mentioned uh, inventors earlier, and I mm-hmm. want to talk to you about, you know, what Tesla, and, and uh, he talked about, and I've talked to other inventors who say that all of these inventions exist first in the dream world. I agree. Uh, and they're tapping into that, but you also have cases where, uh, inventors will come up with the same idea at almost the exact same time or within the same time frame, which right. again I, suggests that they're tapping into a similar source. Also, that everything has a time and a place. I have inventions. I have really, I have two patents. Um, I've invented 28 different things. I've had them notarized. I just didn't act on them. And I found other people came up with them, the same thing, that invisible fence that people uh, put around their their yard. I invented it to keep elephants and birds away from buildings, was a, was a radio frequency. And now they use it for uh, wire around a, uh, some property to keep the dog away, uh, keep the dog sort of within. You the invented that? From, I had no yeah, idea. I've known you no. 25 years. You're holding out on me. <laughs> I have I have several notarized. I can say off the top of my head that I can remember 14... I've invented a new printing process. I invented all kinds of stuff. 
But that's when I was in my 20s and I was into this meditation and I was enthusiastic and I was trying to harden copper and I was doing all these, these things. I was coming up with inventions and I would uh, take them down to the, to the uh, uh, Richie's and Richie's, I think it was at Bloor, uh, 2 Bloor Street West or East, I forget now. And I come in and I have the crudest drawings ever. <laughs> and he'd, he'd notarized them for free. He thought it was a bit of a, you know, it was all, I made his day. I would come in with an idea and he said, That'll work. That's a good one. Why do you know? I, I, I have uh, my name's out there. I invented a pizza container, uh, which was a styrofoam polystyrene container, the largest polystyrene, you know, that you could stretch uh, polystyrene. That's like styrofoam. I had um, a star, I had a hexacon, uh, no, say I had a honeycomb uh, bottom. I had re, uh, buttresses on the side. And I had it so you could take one mold and you did the top and bottom be identical. Now, I'm not an engineer. Where did I get that information from? From the Akashic. And the reason two people come in with an invention at the same time is to make sure that the world gets that invention because it's supposed to be in the world at that time. And that's why two people come up almost within the same time. Uh, the last One of the last ideas I had was a, a truck. Uh, that would be uh, that you would put along the side of, uh, of the road. It would fill up the gaps with tar and uh, and repair the side, and would be just a truck fixed with cameras and whatever. I never did anything about it. Hmm. All of a sudden, on television, here's the guy. He's got one of those um, salt trucks. Full of tar, and I'm going. There's my idea. There you go. I think that's you know many of us can relate to that. Is it, oh, I had that idea too. If I but they, we don't act on it sometimes. That's right. Are there restricted no go zones within the Akashic Library? Yes, there is. Uh, even for yourself, I, until you uh, until you arrive at that uh, field of enlightenment, uh, where you can look at yourself as if in a third person. There's, you know, you're not going to be angry or, or feel guilty. There's, you know, we all, if you can live a life without regrets, you live the perfect life as far as I'm concerned in this life. So if you get to a certain point, you can see it. But you cannot intrude on someone else. Uh, sometimes people have come. This is a fact. A uh, businessman used to come and he used to shake my hand after the readings. He'd take care of the $50 and he'd slip $50 in my hand and say, that's for you and give me a wink. Every time he came, I used to look forward to those handshakes. Oh, bad. He he came and he asked me about his number one competitor, and I wouldn't answer him, mm. me, meaning the source. And when after he said that was the worst reading I've ever had, uh, you wouldn't answer my questions. And I'm thinking there goes that fifty bucks. <laughs> and then he spilled the beans and he said, "You see a lot of people, and it's true." I see many people from many levels of society, business, politics, uh, different titles, uh, princesses, baroness, etc. Uh, and he said, I just wanted to make sure that if somebody came in here and started asking uh, you about me, what you would say. And now I complete confidence that uh, you won't tell them anything. And I said, well, of course not, because... Uh, the readings often, when that happens, will say, this is an intrusion upon the welfare of this other person, and we won't go any further. All right. So uh, there's, Douglas, there's, an, there's an integrity, Richard. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, uh, the new book is Conversations with the Akashic Field and available at Barnes & Noble, and you can go to the website, uh, douglasjamescottrell.com. Correct. And listeners to this program can receive a, a special discount 
40% off, Richard. Outstanding. We're, we're on all the social media, Facebook. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. I wish much success for you. God bless you, Richard. Take all care. All right. And we'll talk in uh, December on Coast to Coast. Dr. Douglas James Cottrell. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is next with our monthly Paranormal News Roundup right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, Rosemary, how are you? Hi, Richard. Well, thank you for spending some time with us as we begin our uh, our monthly routine, our paranormal news roundup. And I want to talk about something I know you're very interested in. Likewise, I've always been fascinated by doppelgangers. And, of course, they always say, the old saying is that everyone has a doppelganger. Uh, there's no necessarily any sort of paranormal meaning to that. It just means that there's someone who looks like you out there. Uh, and with seven billion souls on the planet, that stands to reason. But an interesting article in uh, Mysterious Universe about... The Shadowy World of Real Doppelgangers. Tell us about that. Well, this is a topic that may not have one explanation, but a number of explanations. I've done quite a bit of research on doppelgangers, and uh, yes, it could be said that just through pure physical genetics, we probably have people on this planet, each and every one of us. There are other individuals who resemble us, but doppelgangers are exact duplicates of someone, and they have uh, kind of a... Uh, quasi-physical um, uh, property to them. Um, there have been cases of people walking through do- doppelgangers and um, these doubles just appearing suddenly and disappearing su- suddenly, and they fall into different patterns. There's uh, folklore about doppelgangers that goes uh, back in centuries, and it's always been considered bad luck to see your own double. Uh, it's a harbinger of, of death, usually within a year. And there are cases on record where people have seen their own doubles, even multiple times, and then within a few weeks or months, uh, they do die. But there are other cases where uh, people uh, uh, project their, their own doubles or their doubles get projected somehow. Sometimes it seems to be unwittingly. And nothing bad happens to them. Um, people have seen their own doubles, and even talked to their own doubles. And so, uh, you know, what's going on here? Well, it could be a case of uh, some sort of uh, ability of an individual um, to project an astral duplicate of oneself. And uh, when we die from this plane, uh, it is said that uh, the soul uh, travels in, in the astral double it separates from the body, and that's what travels into the afterlife. And uh, so in cases where people who are about to die, this may be the case, as if there might be some sort of spontaneous early uh, projection of the double in preparation for that. Some people seem to be able to project their doubles at will, and there have been cases on the record uh, where individuals have made that claim and even done demonstrations of it. Like by location? Is that what we're talking about? It would be a form of bilocation. When it is deliberate, an individual has a sense of where they're going and what they're doing. But in an unconscious projection, many people are not aware that their double is out there doing things. Hmm. Uh, And it may be seen in distant locations by other people who think that they're in place B when, in fact, the actual person is in place A. We've talked about on the show, you and I, Rosemary, about the night just a few days after my father was laid to rest, 
where I saw my doppelganger hovering above my body as I was lying in bed, and I'm wondering maybe that was my astral body, you know, an out-of-body experience, but I caught a glimpse of my astral body because obviously that can happen in a very stressful situation. It can. When people are under a great deal, especially of emotional stress, we can have these projections, and I think that there are cases on the record that demonstrate that. And sometimes when people are ill for a long period of time, they may um, experience their double as well. Then there's another explanation that's been put forward that holds that these doubles really aren't a piece of human beings at all, but they're a masquerade by spirits. And this is a very plausible explanation, too, because there are entities, uh, usually dark ones, like certain demonic entities or uh, the jinn, who are capable of taking on almost any form they seem to choose. Uh, They often masquerade as ghosts of the dead, and so it's plausible that they could masquerade as a double of a living person. And for what purpose? Uh, Well, these entities seem to like to pester people, and uh, they have a trickster quality to them. It may be for nothing more than uh, sport or to drain someone of of energy. There was a a famous case of a French teacher, um, I think it was from the 19th century, where um, uh, she had uh, numerous projections of her double. Her students could see her. This caused a great deal of... Um, discomfort and at uh, places where she worked and she didn't, wasn't able to hold on to a job very long uh, and um, she always said that she felt um, tired uh, when these projections happened and, and sometimes she could see her, see her own double. Her students said that uh, some of her students were able to make physical contact with her double and they said they could pass through it and felt like kind of thick fabric. So if this was an entity masquerading as her, um, the effect would be to vampirize her energy or life force. All right, we've got to take a time out, Rosemary. When we come back, a medical student walks into a pub and disappears. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator extraordinaire, and uh, her website is visionaryliving.com. Visionaryliving.com. Get on up to her uh, her bookstore there on the website. And, uh, my gosh, uh, I have lost count, but there is uh, approaching, I believe, 70 books that she has uh, written. And uh, let's um, uh, talk about, it started off, it sounds like an April Fool's joke. It took place on April Fool's, but uh, a medical student, I believe, from Ohio State uh, walked into a a pub and proceeded to, well, vanish. Just disappeared into thin air. And uh, this happened in 2006, and this individual has still been missing. There's no good explanation for what happened to him. This is a story that kind of hits a little close to home, um, to me too, Richard, because I'm in Columbus, Ohio, several times a year, and uh, I certainly hope that there's no mysterious uh, time warp places where you could fall into a, a, a trap door into another reality, which may be what happened to this young man. Uh, he was a student. He was in his late 20s. He goes to a bar called the Ugly Tuna on April Fool's Day with two friends. 
he has plans with his girlfriend uh, to uh, shortly after that to take off for for a vacation on spring break. And the surveillance cameras show him and his two friends going into the bar, his two friends at the end of the evening leave. In fact, everybody who went into the bar is accounted for going out of the bar on the surveillance cameras except this young man. He just disappears. His, they find his car parked in his driveway at home. His uh, apartment is empty. There's no sign of him. And nobody knows what happened to him. Uh, there, there was speculation that uh, maybe he took off, uh, maybe he decided just to uh, drop everything and, and uh, get away from everything, but there was nothing going on in his life that would indicate that um, he was unhappy with things. His father tried to find him and then uh, died tragically. Uh, his brother kept working with the police trying to find him. No clues turned up. I think this fits into uh, one of these um, uh, missing 411 kinds of cases where right. pe- people just vanish without explanation. Yeah, David Politis. Uh, this is uh, definitely a case f- uh, f- for, uh, for him. Uh, and uh, I think that there are these, uh, these openings between realities. He, m- he might have gone into a, a missing time uh, sort of thing where he, he fell through one of these interdimensional openings um, and he might be in a, another reality or even another time frame. We've, we've had cases of um, uh, missing time and people from other time periods sort of mysteriously appearing and then disappearing. Uh, and that may be what what happened uh, to this young man. The friends, there were, I guess, three of them in the uh, in the uh, the in the pub, and they they just sort of momentarily lost track of them. They they checked the men's room, uh, nothing. And then the uh, police in uh, is it Columbus, Columbus, uh, Ohio. The, as you mentioned, the police, and this is uh, Brian Schaefer, twenty seven. Um, they 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 looked at the video surveillance, and they saw him come in. Uh, he didn't leave though, and they, they, apparently there was a second, uh, the second floor this pub was on, and, uh, I think there was an, there was a, uh, a surveillance camera pointed at the escalator as well, and they looked at the escalator camera. Nothing. I mean, he, obviously, he, he couldn't have left, otherwise they would have found him on the, on the videotape. There was speculation that he might have been murdered, and there were cruel hoaxes phoned into the police and the family as well that uh, he had been murdered and cut up into pieces and um, there were jokes played on the family after the father died uh, someone hoaxed a a condolence uh, under Brian's name supposedly from the Virgin Islands that was a hoax but no evidence pointing to anything the bar got very crowded his friends lost track of him and they just figured they'd catch up with him at some point but he, he just simply disappeared. So some people might even speculate, well, was he abducted by uh, aliens or some other uh, kind of entity? I don't think there's any indication of that. There uh, don't seem to be any correlating reports of unusual UFO activity at the time. Um, There would also be other kinds of phenomena happening if if, uh, that were the case. And uh, there may have been just something in his consciousness, um, and maybe that bar sits uh, in some kind of strange 
energy interdimensional uh, area where he slipped through an interdimensional or time crack. Well, you, you've studied uh, these, these portals uh, up and down the Hudson Valley, for example. Uh, what about the Ohio Valley? What about Columbus? Uh, is there, is, does, is there, are there any other stories like this from that area? Well, uh, Ohio is a heavily haunted state, and I have investigated an, a number of weird cases uh, around Columbus, Dayton, and Cincinnati, and uh, some of them involve um, mysterious appearing and disappearing figures like uh, hooded figures. Um, there have been um, uh, a lot of hauntings. There have been uh, dogmen sightings. And uh, this bar is, uh, there's a river that goes uh, through town. And um, river areas uh, sometimes have a lot of strange activity around them. It's not, um, it, it's not a wildly energetic river. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we do find an, an increase in odd phenomena around uh, large rivers and large bodies of water. So um, my feeling is uh, about Ohio is that um, it is an area of, of strange occurrences. I have not heard of anything quite like this, however. Uh, Columbus does have more than its fair share of haunted areas, uh, and uh, some of the highways, there are mysterious phenomena reported on the, in, in the more rural areas uh, on, on the highways. So it, uh, it falls into a larger mix of uh, unexplained phenomena. Yeah, this is a real head-scratcher, uh, to be sure, and a tragedy, uh, because he's, he's simply gone. Brian Schaefer, a medical student, had his whole life ahead of him, 27, and uh, simply vanished after walking into a pub uh, in Columbus, Ohio, uh, 10 years ago this past April Fools. Uh, from Ohio to Atlanta, uh, where a 16-year-old uh, has made headlines uh, this past week after waking up from a coma speaking fluent Spanish. Tell me about it. Another very bizarre case. Uh, now, uh, this young man's name was Ruben, and um, he had studied a little bit of Spanish, um, but he suffered a concussion at a soccer game, and uh, when he woke up, he couldn't speak English, but he could speak Spanish very fluently, far more than he had ever learned. And uh, over the course of weeks, this weird uh, transposition of languages started to reverse and fade. His ability to speak the Spanish fluently uh, started to go, and he was able to recover uh, more of his ability to speak English. There have been other cases like this where people have had severe head trauma and brain injury, and when they have recovered consciousness, they're speaking another language. Now, in most of these cases, uh, they've had some knowledge of the second language they're suddenly wildly fluent in. Um, they have not learned it to the extent where they uh, could speak it fluently, however. And so uh, scientists speculate that uh, something must happen to the brain uh, under a severe trauma that um, maybe opens up um, an unusual ability in aphasia that um, it's called uh, the foreign accent syndrome where uh, people suddenly are able to start speaking uh, a language that they have not mastered. Well, that I've but, heard but about. Temporary. That I've heard about, sure. An accent is one thing, uh, but to be able to speak... 
and, and as you mentioned, uh, Ruben, young Ruben, um, had some Spanish knowledge, but to speak it like a native uh, is, I mean, I, I don't know how you can explain that, um, you know, scientifically. The other thing that he mentioned was that when he tried to speak English after he woke up from a coma, uh, he would start to suffer a seizure. And that was very odd, too. There there might be a couple of things going on, and um, that, one, um, all of these people had at least some rudimentary knowledge of the language that they were suddenly uh, greatly fluent in. And so we can speculate that, well, if you're learning a foreign language, um, especially if you're in an immersion sort of process, that you might be exposed to more of that language than you have actually mastered, and that uh, this uh, head trauma suddenly opens up a capability of the brain to access that. Um, I think that in some of these cases, there's a past life explanation. Um, and it's related, it's not exactly the same as this, but it is related that there have been cases called xenoglossy where uh, people have uh, gone through a, a serious illness, um, especially if it's put them into a coma, they've had a, a head trauma again. Head trauma also has been linked to cases where people have suddenly become very psychic after recovery from that trauma. And in cases of xenoglossy, however, they're speaking an unknown language, a language that they have no knowledge of that then uh, in many cases can be traced back to um, a possible past life. So there may be some overlap going on here. There was also a case uh, out, out in California, I believe. It was a gentleman who was accosted, uh, uh, throttled, in fact, hit his, uh, thrown down to the ground, hit his head on the cement curb, was in a coma. When he woke up, he became a brilliant mathematician. He, everywhere he looked, he saw fractals and, and uh, mathematical equations. Do you remember that story? Um, I'm not familiar with that story, but I have heard other stories of, of people having head trauma and then suddenly something breaks open for them, a skill, a skill or knowledge. And, you know, they say that we only, the scientists say we only use a fraction of our, uh, our brain potential. And maybe something like a serious head trauma uh, allows the brain to access uh, other areas where we might even be tapping into a collective consciousness, like learned skills and knowledge possessed by, you know, the global mind that suddenly become available to us when uh, psychic, uh, some sort of psychic connection opens up. It's fascinating. Just to have a, a, a little over a minute and a half here, and uh, I want to talk to you about these archaeologists in Poland uh, who say they have uncovered the skeletal remains of a giantess, a female giant. Over seven feet tall, seven uh, foot two, and her skeleton dates to the 12th to the 14th century. Um, when she was uh, found in her burial site, she was buried differently from the, the people around her, and um, all of them had... Uh, uh, their skeletons placed facing west, for example, she was facing east, indicating that, that perhaps she was considered to be um, unwanted or odd or um, something very unusual about her not fitting in. And, of course, at seven foot two, that would be considered a giant. Well, there are cases where people uh, grow to giant proportions when they have dysfunctions of the pituitary gland, and she certainly seemed to have had a lifetime of illness and injury and, and difficulties from her size. Uh, 
according to the, the damage left to her skeleton. But, uh, you know, ancient reports, and including um, information in the Bible, indicate that giants once walked the planet and that these might be tied to some sort of alien races that were here, alien beings. And so could this woman have been uh, one of those individuals? Uh, judging from the way she was buried, she it sounds like she was an outsider to her own people. Rosemary, always a pleasure. And uh, again, we direct people to the website, visionaryliving.com. Rosemary joins us once a month for our Paranormal News Roundup. We'll talk to you next month. Thank you, Richard. Good night now. Good night. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Don't be afraid. There is nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home.